In all my 20 years of working with fashion brands, creative agencies, retail stores, and working on some of the most prominent collaborations of all time, you know what the most stressful thing I've ever done is? Trying to start a podcast. No, seriously, trying to get a podcast off the ground is like advanced mathematics. It's a tangled web of codes, confusing links, and algorithms. That is until the day I discovered Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. A, it is free. B, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your smartphone or computer. C, Anchor will take care of distributing your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else people listen to shows. And last but not least, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Thank you, Anchor. No, really, thank you. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Hey, what's up? This is Jeff Staple. Don't forget, we will very soon be separating the three shows on Hype Radio, so you will have to go and individually subscribe to those shows that you want to listen to. So search and subscribe right now to The HBR Show and Soundcheck on Hype Beast Radio or Hype Radio to keep listening. Do it now so you don't miss any episodes. Okay, let's get into this week's show. From Hype Beast and Hype Radio, I am Jeff Staple, and this is The Business of Hype, a show about creative entrepreneurs, brand builders, innovators, and the realities behind the dreams they've built. When you look at this entire culture and everything that stems from it, whether it's visual art, fashion, sneakers, or streetwear, in my opinion, the purest form of artistic expression is music. Music is my muse. And if you've ever had the blessed experience of witnessing someone actually making music, you'll know what I'm talking about. Fashion designers, they start with a piece of cloth. Artists, they start with a canvas. Writers start with a pen and pad. But musicians, they start from nothing. They can sit in an empty room and manifest beautiful words and sounds directly out of their brain. Anytime I have the pleasure of seeing a musician at work, I'm flabbergasted at how amazing it truly is. Now, that's the art of music. But you know as well as I do that there's the art side of it, and then there's the business side of it. And you could argue that the business of music is what allows you, all out there in the world, to hear great music. Because without the business, there's no videos, there's no marketing plan, there's no tour, there's no merch, there's no ecosystem. Don't get me wrong, music alone is the most sacred form of art there is. But music, with the right business support and mindset, then it becomes life-changing, earth-shattering. It becomes part of human history. And when you look back at the music industry, there are certain titans that have helped shape what we hear and see today. And this week, we have an architect in the studio, someone with more years in the game than most artists have been alive. Kevin Lyles has been on his grind for over three decades. He cemented his own major contributions to music, and maybe more importantly, to culture itself. Always learning, always evolving. 
Mr. Lyles joins us at the Business of Hype to tell us his story. So let us start first with uh, an, a proper introduction of who we have in the studio today. Um, you and me. <laughs> <laughs> no, hi, Kevin Lyles. What do you do, Kevin Lyles? <laughs> um, well, first, I'm friendly to, to you. Um, but um, more importantly, um, I think uh, sometimes I say I own a recorded music business or a publishing company. Sometimes I say a platform. But I'm really in the service business, uh, the serving our, our culture and helping how they maintain a sense of entrepreneurship uh, throughout um, you know, our industry. Okay. And I think we're going to dive into that a little bit. Okay. But first, I always like to do this, especially when it comes to people who are in the music industry. Okay. Are you a Spotify guy, SoundCloud guy, iTunes guy, Tidal guy? What are you? like? How do you consume your music nowadays? Uh, I'm a everything guy. You I have mean, to be, I think. You have right. to be. I believe you have to be able to drill with both hands. Okay. You know, right. um, it's it, the importance of knowing the platform because every artist, um, you know, some artists might have be bigger on Apple than they are on Spotify. Yeah. And just based on the user base. Right. Uh, some people might be bigger on YouTube because they have a migrating audience from video that, that's now streaming. Yeah. Like, you got to look it up. And some people might be niche uh, around a title. Uh -huh. um, so I think it's, uh, it'd be ignorant of me to say, <laughs> It's one thing because it's never never one thing. People consume and engage in a lot of different ways. And right. it's our job to help our artists and the consumers navigate. Mm -hmm. As a as a veteran in the industry, though, mm -hmm. honestly, doesn't it kind of annoy you that you have to like go to all these different things? You can't just like buy CDs or turn on a radio and hear everything. Like you have to be like, oh yeah, this guy is the he's only on SoundCloud. Oh, she's only on YouTube, and like you got to sort of figure out where they're at. Does that annoy you? Well, I have forty two people that. Figure that out. <laughs> but for me, for me personally, I, I'm a electrical engineer, you know, by major. So yeah. I kind of like being weird sometimes. I kind of like I kind of like the nerd in it. You right, know what I mean? Right, so right. I'm, I don't mind it. Okay, so promotion hats off. Mm -hmm. What are you listening to right now? What's on your phone right now that you're you're bumping on a regular right now? I mean, you gotta say. See, I'm different because okay. uh, as a 50 year old, there are things that. Um, I say a native to me, an yeah. artist that are native to me. But because I'm in a ever-evolving music business, uh -huh. um, if it came out yesterday, <laughs> I'm listening to yeah. it because I'm, I'm I'm managing what what's next, mm -hmm. you know. And so, you know, not promoting my own stuff, but um, when you have uh, somebody like Sha Glizzy drop an album, um, I'm consuming it all different different kinds of ways. Yeah. And so. Part of my job is to never have somebody signed to my label that I can't be them at any given moment. Mm. So in order to know that, you have to listen yeah. to the music. A lot of people say, well, Kev, you only listen to your artist's music 90% of the time. And then <laughs> the other percent, I'm listening to things and new trends in the marketplace and you know books. that I'm just, I mean, yeah. I'm just a different kind of person. I said, today, um, That's so weird. <laughs> um, today, today, what I was listening to on, on, on my way over here... Um, Meg Mac just dropped a record uh, last week called Give Me My Name Back. Mm -hmm. And it touched a nerve uh, in me. And so I think um, anyone who's going through um, not knowing who, the, who they are, uh, maybe they were in a bad marriage and they want their name back, or maybe they felt they had no voice yeah. and they want to stand up and be. It's like, so I look for music to make me feel a certain way mm. and touch certain emotions in my body. So. Yeah. Um, I'm listening to Joe Osteen. <laughs> I can't. So you ask, you ask me um, as far as hip hop. What what did, what would I what did I just 
listened to. I like um, what Quavo just dropped um, last week. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Little Baby and Gunna. I think they're they're the new wave um, of this next generation of, of rap artists. And you know, I have enough with the hundred artists that I have. That yeah, that's okay. You know. Yeah. So you always have to listen to music with like a work hat on. I don't unless it's unless I'm listening to um, Marvin Gaye. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm, but even you know, I, I tell people about I'm, I, my, I get my Quincy Jones on because I'm a former artist and former writer and yeah. former producer. So when I listen to um, a Michael Jackson and he'll sing, she's out of my life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Decision and curse it pride. I want to know what the hell was he thinking when he's singing that. It sounds like he wrote it. Yeah. It sounds like because he's feeling it somewhere. Or you, you hear somebody like a Bruno Mars take it back to a funk sound, but he's a pop R&B artist. You know, you. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not, it's not that I'm listening for work purposes. Yeah. I'm listening for the art of it. It's mm-hmm. like every time an artist drops a piece of music, um, it's like a Picasso to me. Yeah. It's, it's I want to dissect it. Mm-hmm. I want to understand it. Like because, the essence of it, right? Yeah, just, just know. And sometimes it gets so crazy with me that I'll call the artist up and say, yo, what were you thinking? <laughs> how, how, where, where, where are, what, how do you... And I don't really, and I do it because I enjoy it. See, a lot of people work at jobs that they don't enjoy. Mm-hmm. I enjoy my job. And it's not nine to five. It's yeah. work days, work ends. Mm-hmm. It's part of my life. It's who I am. I can't, I can't fake what right. I do. So I'm, I'm, I'm in it every single day. Kevin talks about spending 90% of his time listening to his artists. And probably because he has over 100 artists signed now. But he spends the other 10% listening to others, paying attention to what's new, reading books, and absorbing what's on the fringe. That 90% is key to staying dedicated to the foundation of what you're building. It's critical to focus on your own work. But it's also extremely important to keep an eye out, or in Kevin's space, an ear, to what else is out there. Whether it's for a potential opportunity, or purely inspiration, or even knowing what the competition is doing, Try and take time to look beyond what you're creating because it will help keep your work in perspective to the culture at large. You as a creator are part of something that's shifting and evolving. You need to understand your place in it and how you can fill a void or elevate beyond something that already exists. There's an art to how people create opportunities and we're learning from one of the very best. And how long have you been in the music industry? In the industry, since I was 15, 35 years. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I was an artist. I, I mean, before then, I was a DJ. I mean, yeah. if you, when, when you say industry, I'm talking about when I got, started getting paid for it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, 15. Yeah. Okay. But, I mean, I've been in the studio. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just things I've, I've, I've been, this, this has been, I, I can truly say, I, it's pivotal points in my life. Um, Hip hop saved my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I come from Baltimore. Um, at age 16, you're supposed to be on drugs, in jail, uh, or dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it caught, because I was good in football also in, in, in high school. I, yes, I was a Boy Scout. I mean, any stuff you want to bring up. Yeah. Um, and 
when hip hop came, it sort of like took me to a, a very happy place mm-hmm. in my life. And I lost my mind. I remember when I, you know, and my, my hip hop is not um, just Sugar Hill. You know, I'm, when I heard Sucker MC, mm-hmm. it's no way that two guys could make me feel in the beat. Just it made me feel a certain way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Different from Curtis Blow made me feel, you know, mm-hmm. um, back back then. It just, Run MC made me say, oh, I can be, be, I can do me. I don't have to dress in any kind of way, no weird old shit. Right. Like, yeah, no, yeah. I, can, I can really be me. I can sag, I can put my Adidas on. You know, it made me feel um, part of it. And so that that, that pivotal moment when you ask me how long I've been in it, it's, it's my life. You cut yeah. me open, I bleed hip hop. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so you've been in the industry... I mean, I don't know if you ever think about this, but like maybe longer than most of the your audience has been alive, right? I Dang, mean, you were just that's talking. Deep. That's deep. That's you, deep. <laughs> that's deep. Because yeah. you were just you were just telling me a story off the mic, and you were just like you were talking to an artist, and he didn't. Well, you tell the story. I, I mean, I, I, no names, <laughs> but oh, yeah, um, no names. You know, this the, the new generation. Um, they're so entrepreneurial that they're not concerned about the past. They don't care about. Uh, Christopher Columbus and how he discovered America. <laughs> yeah, you know they they care about what's my America, what's my way, what's my journey. And I mentioned an, an artist that said that I said you sound you know you remind me of an early such and such artist. And oh, you don't even want to say the such and such artist. I, I mean, you remind <laughs> me of an early you remind me of an early Method Man. Yeah. You know, um, coming mm-hmm. out of Wu Tang, which is a compliment. Which it's is it's the alt you the <laughs> what <laughs> exactly? Uh, and he said, "Who's that?" And um, I didn't. I wasn't offended by it. Yeah. Um, it, it it checked said, you. It, it checked me number one, but it also said part of me even being here today. I owe our culture and the next generation of leaders the um, the opportunity to hear um, what my perspective was on a journey and to give back to them. Mm-hmm. So maybe they don't want to hear from Christopher Columbus. Maybe they don't want to know about it. But it's going to be documented somewhere just in case. Someone wants to go, yeah, uh, and and see. Hey, maybe how do I get? I know I want to go from A to Z, but let me check the uh-huh. podcast and L, and right, see, right, and see what Jeff and Kevin was talking about. Do you, you know? think that's a detriment though that a lot of the younger people aren't recognizing the foundation, the architects? Um, or do you think it's just the youth? I think it's life. Uh, I think there's things that um, people would, would probably say, Kevin, you should you really cared about coming up, yeah, and. I really didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, there was certain ways that my my parents said that this is how you live your life. Yeah. And if I would have worked at a job at nine to five and got benefits and then retired, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right. today. So I believe um, who I am and with things I didn't respect and follow. And mm-hmm. I don't think hip hop would be where it is. I don't think 300 would be created mm-hmm. um, if we listened to what people told us what was the right way or the wrong way. I yeah. love, you call them Generation Z, but I, I call them Generation E for entrepreneurship. You know, yeah. they, they, they really will start something tomorrow. They're looking, they'll see uh, something that they could monetize or something that they could be passionate about. Mm-hmm. And they build, they'll build audience on it. Yeah. You know, and if, if you really think about it, you know, I come from... A, I called you know, four corners. There was the drug corner, there was a the liquor store, there was a the church, and then there was mom house. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I look at, you saw guys build multi-million dollar businesses 
and didn't even go to school. Yeah. You know, and then you look at the uh, immigrant, for lack of a better term, that comes from, no, had nothing, came mm-hmm. here with nothing, and they own two grocery stores. Right. And corner stores, yeah. or bodegas, that you call them yeah. here. And then you think about the, the pastor that one time was a former dealer who did not learn the, the right way and didn't go through the bishop this and mm-hmm. this thing, and he has a church of 10,000 people following his... So that spirit... Yeah, that you know, hustle. What, what, what if, what if um, Joe Osteen, uh, the pastor's prior to Joe Osteen said, this is how you pastor. Uh-huh. Right. And it, it, this is the rules you have to follow. The pastor. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. This is who you should be like. No, I don't. I don't think it's that. I think we have to give Generation Z the opportunity to do them. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one of the rules in my, my book. Do you don't don't pattern yourself after any. It's like um, um, I thought. Think about Rick Rubin. Yeah. Russell. Lior. And then myself. I feel like we have to say Russell Simmons, Leo Cohen, in case so, yeah. y'all listening want to Google Rubin, these names. Rick Rubin, one of the greatest producers to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, Russell Simmons, you know, founder uh, of one of the founders of Def Jam, uh, Fat Farm, Def Comedy Jam, Def Poetry Jam, changed my life. Yep. Um, Leo Cohen, my, my partner, I've been with him for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, he's now running you, Google Music and YouTube uh, Music, and my partner at, at, at 300. Um, if I had to, if I say, well, I got to do what, how Rick did it yeah. or how Lear did it. But what I did do was say, let me take a little bit of Rickism and care about the music. Let me take a little Russellism, care about the culture and be of service. Let me take a little Learism. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then let me, <laughs> let me add on it. To my ism of always think about the greater good and the greater God, and uh, if you use that, you'll you'll get far and you'll be in longer. So that's why I'm here 35 years later. That those four aspects that you just outlined is mm-hmm. like almost the perfect recipe, isn't it? Uh, listen, uh, hopefully somebody else say that. You know, if, if you say <laughs> that, I, I still think uh, I'm still in the kitchen. Yeah. So I'm still cooking. Oh, but the, but what you gained out of those isms mm-hmm. is like the the perfect Pri- combination, right? Priceless. Yeah. You, you couldn't even. Um, you know, Dick Parsons, uh, uh, I, I, again, I take um, guidance from a lot of different things and, and I see choices that people make and a lot of my choices now come from spirituality yeah. um, and I want good karma around and you think about those people and I, I would ask that um, just like music, I study people, mm-hmm. um, I study situations uh, and those isms were definitely pillars. Yeah. Um, but there's so many more people. Jack Welch, I'm a big fan of Jack Welch. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a big fan of Steve Jobs. You yeah, know, yeah. Um, um, Paul, being a number two, you know, we lost Paul Allen this week. I've been a number two more than I've been a number one, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and the role of a number two, just looking at the choices and decisions and how some people don't stay together, but they go build separate businesses yeah. and that. I just never looked at it like that. If I could, if I could still be, if, if Rick wanted to do, he was, we'll still be together. If he wanted to be, have a record company. Yeah. That, that's how I felt. So those are the pillar of my isms. Right, right. Like what Kevin said, let's forget about the term Generation Z for a second. The Generation E is all of you out there. That's the entrepreneur. Whether you self-identify as one or simply have that hustle spirit, 
it does seem like more and more people are taking matters into their own hands to build their own path. And while doing so, moving forward without a full download on what's come before. There's always been a generational gap in terms of perspective, especially throughout hip hop. While I can say my era is golden, the next person can say today is the hottest it's ever been. Kevin understands this and knows the importance of both sides. Disregarding rules and creating your own journey, doing you, while infusing aspects or isms of the greats before him. You can see farther by standing on the shoulders of giants. And man, are those some giants Kevin pulls from. It's important to stay completely true to your vision and the unbeaten path. But it's also smart to study those who came before and their past situations. You never know what you might learn or gain. So let's go back. It's it's well documented that you started as an intern, mm-hmm. right, at Def Jam in '91. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What were you doing right prior to that? You you know, a lot of young people could be like, "Yeah, I need an internship." Right. Mm-hmm. What were you doing right before you got the internship at Def Jam? Uh, probably was I had my own record label called Marx Brothers Records. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably put out. Um, I don't know whether it was. Do you want to drop down to your knees? It was all local stuff. Okay. Uh, records that I did. You had um, signed acts? Had, well, we were, we were the only act on our label. <laughs> you know, we, okay. But, so it was us, you know, but we were five guys and then we, three guys and then one guy uh, still a big DJ, house DJ um, around the world. But I was still, we owned a studio, um, but I was also a manager for a, a marketing agency. I was also... Um, uh, also, in my last year of electrical engineering, uh-huh. uh, I was also at school. At school at okay. Morgan State, okay. um, and I was a jack of all all trades. You okay. know what I mean, um, I, I was I will always work. Always, you, you you say something about me. You know, I can't remember everything that I was doing, but I probably was doing ten things. Yeah, and ten trying to figure out what what I wanted my life to look at, but look like. But I what I really from eighty six I remember to ninety one. I was in a lawsuit um, with um, Millie Vanilli uh, over the rights of the record. Wow. Yeah. Oh, over so the rights of the Girl You Know's True record that I wrote. That you wrote. When I was 15, yes. That's insane. Yeah, so I, I, it's, it's that, that pivotal moment um, scarred me in, in, in a good way. You know how some scars, like yeah. you don't want to show people? I'll show people that scar because it made me feel I did not want to be in the music business. Mm-hmm. I wanted to learn the business of music. And it changed my whole perspective. I never want an artist to be treated like I was treated. I never want to steal from anybody. And I want to make sure that my job every day is to protect the art. Yeah. Nice. And so that, that, you know, that was my mindset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was something going on at Def Jam that you saw that was like, what they're doing is dope. I want to join that. Was something going on at Def Jam? Yeah. What was going on in 91 at Def Jam? Why did you pick Jeff, Def Jam? I picked where my heart was, uh-huh. but I also knew that the senior vice president um, of Def Jam, and remind, I was still trying to get signed to a major label, even though I had my label. Yeah. Um, but the senior vice president of Def Jam was a guy from Baltimore named Wes Johnson. Mm-hmm. And Wes was a, um, a, a former DJ. Wes used to play my records. Wow. As a DJ. So I remember the critical moment. I'm at Jack. The, I used to go to all the conferences. So I'm, the, I'm at Jack the Rapper, one of those uh-huh. conferences. And he said, "Kev, you, when you put out some new music, I said, man, I, I, they tore my ass up. I, I, I got to learn this business. I said, you know, you should really hire me at, at Def Jam. 
He said, Kevin, I can't hire you. Now, you got to understand, I'm already making money. Okay. This is not, this is not one about money to yeah. me. He said, um, no, I want you to intern. I said, what the fuck is intern? What, what do you mean intern? <laughs> I'm, I'm street, Kevin. What, what, what do you mean yeah. intern? I'm, I'm making money already. What do you mean intern? He said, but Kev, you don't know the best. I said, how are you going to tell me? Somebody, I wrote a record. I recorded in the studio. I sold 100,000 copies. They sold 18 million copies. Mm-hmm. What don't I know? Right. Tell me what the, I know how to promote, market. Cons- I was selling records out of my car, doing consignment. What don't I know? Okay. He said, but you got, you got to enter. This is how, how we do it here. And I said, thought about it. Intern for Def Jam. All right, fuck it. I'm doing it. And that, that was a decision that I made. So for two years, mm-hmm. from 91 to 93, I interned. Uh, now, understand, when I say intern, <laughs> it's a different thing because, again, I'm interning. I'm in Baltimore. I'm doing Philadelphia... D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Mm-hmm. I already know because I opened up for LL Cool J. I, I, performed, I was a performer. Yeah. You know, any, any artist that came through that area, Will Smith, uh-huh. I, I, I opened up for, you know yeah. what I mean? Because I was kind of big, right. <laughs> you know, in the area. So I knew every DJ. Uh-huh. I knew every uh, club. I knew every record store. I knew everything. Yeah. So when they wanted to hire a regional, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, y'all, you got it. I'm, I'm the guy. Yeah. Y'all, why? No. But they didn't hire me. They got a guy named Kevin Mitchell. Uh, who's a good friend from Boston, and he sent them to my market. Mm-hmm. And so the joke was, I'm like, so now I'm interning for a guy who don't know. Yeah, you're the tour <laughs> the, guy. I, I'm, I'm the guy, <laughs> yeah. you know. But um, it was a funny thing. I was talking about it with a good friend last night. Um, so every DJ used to play my record. Yeah. And the part of a regional promotion director's job is to get your records played, you mm-hmm. know, take over the market. Uh, but you know, radio would stay here, publicity would stay here, and I just never I had to do it all myself. So yeah. I kind of knew all the people. So Kevin calls me one day, say, "Man, I'm trying to see Frank Ski. I'm trying to see him, you know, um, but I can't get in touch with him." I said, "Oh, Frank, boop, boop, boop. Frank, uh, my man coming to see you. All right, cool. Just tell him to bring some food." And it was that that and it was that moment. Right. But, but again, Frank used to have a place called Hammerjacks and used to be an artist itself, and mm-hmm. we toured together. On so you weren't talking about a DJ. You were talking about a human being, a friend yeah. to me. And yeah. so that was um, part of what changed everything uh, in my life. And he, Kevin Mitchell, I remember we were on a conference. He would let me listen on a conference. It's just like God's been so good to me. He would let me <laughs> listen on a conference call that, I'm, that an intern is not supposed to be on. Totally. And I, I, so I learned the art of listening. Because mm-hmm. every day, this is for two years, every Wednesday, I would sit and listen to what people talked about, yeah. how they talked about the country and things. And um, he uh, said on a call, he said, guys, my intern is better than all of us, and he will be running the company. That was in 93. Wow. Came to president CEO in, in 98. Yeah. So, <laughs> so how, did, how does that happen? How do you go from intern to president in five, seven years? <laughs> I, I mean... I, I, I don't know. I, here's, all, here's all I can say. <laughs> okay. When I became an intern, I made a commitment to be the best me as an intern. Mm-hmm. So that means I had to be the president of interns. Okay. Nobody could out intern me. Mm-hmm. You got. I, I have uh, electrical engineering makeup. So when you ask me to dissect the market or put a, a plan together, my shit looked like you know five pages, graphs, and charts. Yeah. When the other guys, look, note. <laughs> <laughs> they said, well, we went there and the club said this. No, I, I would give right. so much detail and put books together that, you know, I mean, when he came for the interview, it was a funny. 
So Kevin Mitchell obviously gets moved up because the, the market is booming. Yeah. We're killing it. So he gets moved up. So I'm thinking, oh, I know I got the job. I know I got it now. Mm-hmm. Nope, we interview another, we interview another people. Um, you can come and interview for the job. Wow. Um, and this is after two years of doing it for free. And everybody knew me. Everybody knew I was doing the work. Yeah. And we were in Def Comedy Jam. We, we in all kinds of shit. So I said, so I, y'all want me to interview for the record? I, I had to question myself. Do intern? You want me to interview now? Yeah. So, okay, cool. So I remember I put my suit on because I was told you wear a suit to an interview. Uh-huh. That's what you do. But my briefcases of, of study of, you know, what I thought about, do about came up. And uh, I'm in there with four other people. Now, I don't even know these people. Yeah. And they're in there for the same job. Oh. Then I'm in. So they laughing at me because yeah. I got a suit on. Right. I'm saying, guys, well, I don't understand. <laughs> so you got an interview job. You go. Yeah. I said. Professionalism. Yeah, this is what. So, so they have that piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And I have books of studies and things I put together for two years. They said, yo, what are you doing? Yeah. I said, I'm not leaving without getting this job. I, I'm, I, this, I, I, this is my job. Yeah. Nobody's getting this job. Right. It's my job. Interview. Didn't hear from him for three months. Oh, my God. Three months. And again, I put in the work. Yeah. I know I had the best presentation of mm-hmm. what the marketplace would look like. I am Baltimore. I am the Mid-Atlantic. I am. It was no way. Yeah. And so I, I envisioned from being the president of interns, from being the president of the interview section, yep. you know, to being the president of patients. Yeah. Because most people would have been like, fuck this. Oh, they would. Of course. But again, I always knew about the greater good. Uh-huh. If they let me in. If they let the Baltimore boy in, if they let him in, oh, I'm gonna do this. Yeah. And so it was that I, I, I sized the company up. I thought to myself, what does Lear not like to do? What does Russell not like to do? Uh huh. What does Rick, Rick? Rick was gone in, but how can I serve Rick and his vision? Yeah. And those are the things that I did. What they didn't want to do. You found the white space, right? Like I that. Found, empty I the- found the. I found the. You. Uh, Put me there, I'll do it. Yeah. Didn't even matter what it was. The, people don't come in. I remember uh, when I be, uh, first came, they were like, Kevin, you don't have to do detailed reports like that. I said, no, I'm not doing it for you guys. I'm doing it for me. This is, this is how I like my shit to be documented. This is yeah. how I like my shit to look. I'm not brown nosing. No, this is for me. This is, this, is who, this is who I am. You can't. And I think so when people ask me, how did you do it? I did me. Uh-huh. I wasn't worried about being the president. Right. I was worried about whatever they asked me to do, be the best you at that time. Mm. And in the process of that, build your toolbox. Now, see, my toolbox came from a lot of different things. So if the somebody said, hey, we need to build a house. <laughs> I got Birdhouse, treehouse, what house? Yeah. I could build the house. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, we need you to uh, change the tire on the car. Oh, okay, I got that. So when the time came to be... Regional, general manager, EVP, president. Those are the steps you took? Yeah. The ones you just mentioned? Um, regional manager, mm-hmm. well, intern first. Yeah. Regional manager, general manager of promotions, general manager mm-hmm. of the company, president and CEO. I think some, yeah, I think that was the. But, but these were all things like um, when I was a regional. Um, we were opening Def Jam West. Yeah. And so Lear says, I need you to go to LA. I said, well, I'm the regional, I'm, I'm, I do the Mid-Atlantic region. Uh-huh. Everything you did there, I want you to do on the West Coast. I said, but 
I work. Are, are I, you impersonating his that, voice? That, that's that, that's Lior. Okay. Hi, I'm Lior Cohen. Um, <laughs> Only you can make fun of Lior. But go ahead, continue, <laughs> continue. And he says, "But I um, I need you to go out." I said, "But but you got the hit of promotion, you got the vice president of promotion. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't they be doing that?" He said, "I want every market in the country to be like the Mid Atlantic region." Oh. So he was like, and what, what happened was every time an artist would come back from my region, they would go to Russell and Lear and say, yo, that kid down there, uh-huh. he got, he, man, the, he, the, <laughs> the, the police, <laughs> the drug, <laughs> he know everybody. He, he can make anything happen. Yeah. And so they kept coming back. And so they said, you go out to the West Coast. And so again, what they wanted is a blueprint. Mm-hmm. And... Wes came to me and said, man, listen, all I can tell you is keep doing what you're doing because I'm going to be working for you. And this, this is my mentor and my guy. Yeah. And he f- flew me out to the West Coast. Actually, came to my house and got me in Baltimore. I told my mom, it's going to be all right. Now, again, I'm young still. Yeah. I, don't know, I, don't, I moved to the West Coast. What? I got in a van with South Central Cartel and Mello and drove from Seattle all the way over to Denver. Okay. Just so I understood the marketplace. You got in a car and just absorbed it, everything. Van, I went, I went, you, man, I, I lived every bit of the West Coast. Mm-hmm. I, every, every, saw everything, touched everything, the very fabric of what it meant to be in the West Coast. And that's what I provided the team that eventually came and um, yeah. opened the office. There. I think you were smart enough to know prior that you didn't know it, mm-hmm. so you had to learn it. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. You didn't make the assumption that you're like, no, I got this on my own. Listen, and God reminds me every time. So actually, Julie Greenwald is a great friend of mine, the current COO of Atlantic Records, was Wes's assistant. Mm-hmm. She actually called me and said, well, I was working at World Connections Travel. Shout out to World Connections Travel. <laughs> um, again, I think I'm 17, 18, and I'm a manager there. Yeah. So, so what, like, I'm trying, the picture I'm trying to paint, it wasn't just about um, Def Jam. Kevin Lyles was going to be the star football player mm-hmm. if I played football. Kevin Lyles was going to be the preacher if I was in a church. Kevin Lyles was going to be of service at the greatest height, yeah. no matter where it was. So I'm, at my, I'm the manager of 400 people. Again, I'm 18 years old. I don't know. I don't have a degree in marketing or nothing like that, but I'm running this, this place with my, 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 my former partner named Jim Buckingham. Um, and Julie calls and says, uh, hi, um, is Kevin there? And one of my assistants comes and say, uh, Kevin, Julie Greenwald from Def Jam is on the phone. Now, I'm excited as fuck. I'm like, yo, uh, this might be it. Or it might not be it. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, get them calls. I, I'm doing what I do. So, hey, hi, Julie, it's Kevin. Hey, she said, she said um, Kevin, we'd love for you... Um, um, to come, we're going to pay you $30,000 as a regional. Now, again, I'm making hundreds of thousands. It didn't matter. It's like, yeah. uh, and I said, um, well, I think I can work with y'all for that. She said, no, you'll work for us for that. Wow. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> I have, you want to have it. Listen, you can say all, anybody, everybody can say everything. Yeah. I'm cool with how you say it, but you let me in. Wow. And you give me the opportunity to be the best me. For that moment in time, when somebody asked me to do something, in 96 they came and said, because I was eventually I was up in New York then, and they were like, um, you did the West Coast, 
you know, be general manager of promotion. What the fuck is general manager of promotion? What is that? <laughs> they made up some title right. because you had a senior vice president of promotion. You had a vice president mm-hmm. of promotion. You couldn't go there, so and, they gave you something else. And so, <laughs> but I was working. For, they, but really, at the end of the day, they were saying we want you to be running yeah. the, the promotions department. Right. You know, <laughs> so um, ninety six. They said. Uh, I'm in the office and everybody would come to my office, all artists. They'd mm-hmm. come, they wouldn't go to Russell, wouldn't go to Leo. <laughs> they would come to my office. And so it was that, it was that time, it was like, yo, we, we got to, and Leo tell you, you know, Russell, they didn't give it to me. I took it. Mm. Wasn't, it wasn't, but I, I didn't take it to take it. Yeah. I saw the white space mm-hmm. and I wrote my own plan for what it looked like. And again, all of service, if it was up to me, Russell would still be chairman emeritus. Julie would be president. Lear would be CEO. We would all be together. Yeah. If the opportunity, and we stayed together, we're still together, but I'm talking about in a sense of um, be at one place. Yeah, yeah. And um, it is, when in 96, when he asked me about, you know, we, we really want you to be the president of the company, I said, I'm not ready. Who asked you? Lear. Wow. Russell said it, you, you're the president. Lear's like, what the fuck are you doing? You can't just make him a president. You know what I mean? And so it was a freaking fact thing back and forth with them. And I'm in the room. So they talk about me in the room. You know what I mean? Uh, and then- um, Wait, Lear in the room, you in the room me, with Lear saying, you can't make him president. Yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> I, it didn't matter, you know, to, to me, but, it's, but that's how honest we were with each other. Yeah, yeah. And I, I said, I just say, yo, I don't, I don't, I'm not ready to be president. Mm-hmm. So Russell, look, I said, Russell, I don't know the world. Mm-hmm. I know the United States now. Yeah but I don't know the world. And there's emerging markets in hip hop that I should really yeah. know right. before accepting the responsibility. Cause I always looked at it. Don't take on something you can't kill. Mm-hmm. Don't take on, don't say you want it and you're not prepared for it because there's going to be some shit that you're going to have to deal with. Yeah. And even employees that yeah. might not have liked me being the president. Exactly, yeah. Because I'm, I'm a Baltimore kid. I'm not, I wasn't a cousin, a friend, a no, nothing. Uh-huh. They, the shit got so crazy, they wouldn't let me in the art room. They wouldn't let me deal with Mark because they felt like I didn't know. Then they, Then they made me president? Right. <laughs> hey, this is Jeff Staple. And I'm kind of an old school type of guy. I aspire to minimize aspects of my life. And I'm actually the type of person that wants less options. I just want to use the best things, not the most things. And this even boils down to something as minor as the apps on my phone. I no longer need three different apps for music and another one for news and yet another one for listening to podcasts. Why? Because now I get everything on Spotify. I can listen to all my favorite songs, artists, and now podcasts in one place. And you could do it for free, even without a premium account. I actually do have a premium account because it costs like less than two cappuccinos, so why not? But strangely enough, my partner prefers having a free account because she actually likes listening to ads. Go figure. Anyway, Spotify has a massive catalog of podcasts on every topic, including the one you're listening to right now. But wait, there's more, my friend. You can follow your favorite podcast so you never miss an episode. Premium users can download episodes to listen to offline, wherever you are, with or without service. And you can easily share what you're listening to with your friends and enemies on an app called Instagram that I've heard is gaining quite a bit of popularity. So if you haven't done so already, download the Spotify app 
And immediately after that, search for The Business of Hype and follow it and me. You can also browse for other podcasts in the Your Library tab, but really all you need is this one. All right, go forth and minimize. Delete all your other apps and download Spotify today. So how did that meeting end? Well, 96 didn't, didn't do it. And okay. then they, 98, they didn't give me a choice. <laughs> wow. So they, how did that meeting go? The 98 meeting? Um, You're a president, period. Get out of here yeah, now. There's go. Five, there, there's, there, we were thinking about um, selling a company. And I say we, they were thinking about it. But they had made five of us partners. And I was one of the partners that they made. Mm -hmm. So, um, and Julie was running one half of the company. I was running uh, the other half of the company. Leah was running the company, however you want to put it. So we all ran things. Um, And it was just time and Leah felt like, you know, the best person to usher in what's new Mm -hmm. um, is Kevin. Yeah. Over over, over a lot of of people. And zero objections, obviously. Didn't matter. (laughs) <laughs> could have been but it's whatever him and right. russell said and 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 again because of how i carried myself even when i was president i, I was still carrying artist bags mm. i was still doing whatever people told me to do that says a lot this all started with an internship we've heard it before and it rings true every time if you want to succeed Hold on to that hustler spirit and don't ever forget the intern mindset. There's always something new to learn, always something new to absorb that will help you later down the road. But it's also reminding yourself that you're never too big to roll up your sleeves and get the work done. Kevin not only accepted the internship mindset, his hunger elevated it to presidential status. Whatever job or role was in front of him, he wanted to be the absolute best at it. And it showed. He had the foresight to know what he needed to learn and where to grow. He didn't instantly climb to the top. Before accepting roles, he made smart moves by staying back to make sure his own foundation was strong enough before moving forward. The presidential intern is something we can all channel. Remember, you can be on a path to be the best or to create something that is the best, but you shouldn't be fixed in your ways. Pull from what's around you or go out and expose yourself to something new because that added experience will always benefit you. It will always be something in your toolkit you can use or reference. Stay hungry and stay humble. It might even be the answer to what you need in the future. And one thing I didn't tolerate though, is laziness and tardiness Mm -hmm. and lack of efficiency. I will come to work. If a radio station is on 24 hours a day, now, today, you can stream music in the time. Why are we not on the yeah, whole time? Right. So we are business. The, the coming in at 11 o'clock to go sit and get a cup of coffee, have that water cooler moment, then talk about you're going to go to lunch, that's just dead. Mm. Stinking, nope. Coming in, and then people didn't come in before me, I write on the door or post a note. What makes you better than me that you come in after me? You'd stick it on their door. Stick it on their door. Every, didn't matter who it was. I don't care if they reported to me or not because I wanted to change the culture of the company. We are a business. Mm -hmm. We are a business. We're going to operate like a business. This is not a party. We are a business. We're going to operate like a business. And that structure 
took on a ethos of its own because then I started to bring people in that thought differently. Mm-hmm. That my first assistant was um, a street team. I was on her street team, uh-huh. Shanita Floyd. You know, I was on her actual street team yeah. in the Mid-Atlantic region working records. Um, I brought her in as my assistant. Then I moved her to, because I knew she could do national promotions, I moved her to college radio in Babito. Okay. You know, then I moved, I brought in a girl that came from Morgan Stanley. She was as my assistant because I wanted more business structure. Mm-hmm. All right. And so, again, as a- yeah, as your a, toolkit. As as my, th- yeah. I'm putting my tool, and it, now, again, so I went from me having my own tools to mount the tool of people. Yeah, yeah. And putting those- uh, those people in place. How did it finally end at Def Jam? How do you go, you know, like, cause you eventually then went and did your own management company after that, right? Nah, you missing years. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, um, in 98, we sold the company to um, Universal. Mm-hmm. Originally we were at Polygram, but mm-hmm. we sold um, Def Jam and part of that we had to stay on okay. uh, to manage the business. So Lear um, took on the chairman that we put out in Def Jam together. Yeah. Lear took on the chairmanship role of Island Def Jam, um, made Julie and I executive vice president of Island Def Jam. I'm still retained the president and CEO of Def, Def Jam, Jam yep. proper. Uh, at that time, we were Def Jam West, Def Jam South, Def Jam London, mm-hmm. Def, Def Jam Japan. Def, Def Jam Def, Japan. You know, Shout out Rico Sakura. Shout out Rico. <laughs> you know, uh, Def Jam Germany. Yeah. So... Um, the uh, verticals of, of Fat Farm, uh, Def Jam Enterprises, the gaming, um, Comedy Jam, Poetry Jam, Def College Jam, we, all the jams. Yeah. You know I mean? It was, uh, and again, but we had a crew of people, smart people, uh, Russell being a heavy entrepreneur, Lero being a great visionary and operator, mm-hmm. me being a great executor, Julie being a great creative. We had you know Mike Kaiser coming in, the big tall black guy that did rhythm radio. It's like it's, um, and and we were all kids still yeah. growing up learning this, this business, uh, and so you were on contract with Universal to continue, continue as okay. uh, running, and we did that for from ninety eight to two thousand and four, and Lior uh, made the decision to leave, okay, um, to be the global chairman of recorded music for Warner Music Group. Mm-hmm. We took, you know, took Warner Music Group private yeah. from Time Warner. Very pivotal moment in my life um, because when Leo left, they thought everybody's leaving, you know, mm-hmm. it's not, not, and I felt an onus to the culture to not just up and leave Def Jam until I understood what was the plan for it and how could I leave it in a place where, again, we're huge. I mean, it's like, it's like, we're, it, this is DMX, Ja, J, LL, Ludacris. I mean, I, I can't, Monta, I mean, it's every artist. It, yeah. it, it, it couldn't be. And I remember Jimmy Iovine uh, and Doug um, wanted to have a conversation with me because they didn't want to make me chairman of Alan Def Jam. Mm-hmm. Um, Jimmy Alvin was on the on the West Coast. I, okay, you know he was he was the you know chairman of Geffen Interscope, whatever that group was called. Okay, and um, they wanted to have a real conversation, and I never told anybody this story, this part of it, um, about why I wasn't ready um, to take on that role. Yeah, uh, and 
they hired L.A. Reed okay. to come in. Um, and L.A.'s my friend. Mm-hmm. If you go back in 87, we I think it was 87, we all won uh, Song of the Year Writers Award at BMI Awards. We mm-hmm. were in the picture together. He did, did Jerry Curl, whatever they had, and <laughs> me with my high top fade. And uh, well, I got the picture. You know, we, we, it's, uh-huh. it's, so it's my friend. Yeah. Of respect and love him. And the terminology that I used with him, I said, they gave you the house, but I have the key. I, I don't want that dynamic. Mm. I don't want it your people, my people. Um, so let's really have a conversation around how this works best for you. Okay. Uh, how, I, how can I be of service to help us get to a place where the company's healthy? Um, there's no infighting. I, I want to think about the greater good. Yeah. I said, but you know, I'm giving you the keys though. Mm-hmm. Took our relationship to a different level. Yeah. You know, because I mean? he, he, he saw, he knew what it was. I, I wanted the place yeah. to be right. And then the whole thing was, you know, um, who would be president of Def Jam or who this and blah, blah, this, <clears throat> this person, that, that person. And um, it must have hurt. Like you talk about the Millie Vanilli scar, like this was another. Another, no, like, another, another scar. Yeah. But another scar that I wear proudly because I want, I want you to think about um, the time. Um, Russell wasn't there. Rick wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And then Leo wasn't Leo, there. Yeah, Leo wasn't there. Yep. Um, I only wanted to be of service on a team. See, I, I'm not the, I don't want to win. I don't want to say I won um, the championship. I scored all the points. I'm the, I, I don't, I don't want to, I want to appreciate Paxton. You know, I want to appreciate yeah. Scottie Pippen. I want to appreciate um, Rodman. Rodman. I, w- yeah. I want to. I want to. I, I want, and, and I want to play my position. Yeah. Whatever that position, I love playing for a team. Mm-hmm. Now, at any given moment, I can be Michael because I want that shot at yeah. three seconds left. Yeah, I, I, I want that. But I love playing part of a team. So, mm-hmm. was I ready to build my own team in that manner at that particular time? Where was Def Jam going? Was was I Michael Jordan playing on the Bulls? won six championship rings um, and I was scoring 30 points and people said, well, shit, you should be going 60 points. Yeah. What, what more could I have done right. at Def Jam? Mm-hmm. So this is in my, my mind. Where else could we take it? I sold 10 million games. Yeah. You know, Seriously. video games. I, I'm, I'm, what, what else? I did the hip hop's view of Scarface documentary inside of the um, 25th anniversary of Scarface, the movie. And so I really felt like um, it might be time for new energy mm-hmm. for somebody to take it. Maybe they have some vision that I don't have. Right? Did it hurt? It hurt when I stopped playing football in the se- my senior year. Mm-hmm. It hurt when somebody stole my record. It hurt when I had to leave a place. One of the things, there is a Kevin Lyles era at Def Jam. Yeah. And people can't deny it. People can't, it's no matter what they say, how they want to look at it. So, but I also think I got my bachelor's at Def Jam. Mm-hmm. I wanted my master's. Mm-hmm. And yeah, well put. What role? What role would that put me in? Yeah. And so um, I decided. I took respectful with everybody. Decided not not to stay. And uh, made, we made great love. Everybody moved out and went to hug some trees. <laughs> Did a lot of walking. Yeah. On the beach and figuring out. Cause I left my baby. Yeah. 
No, and, and it was my baby. I know. It Since was my, uh, it was my, my baby. Yeah. I left my baby. Because what year is this now that when you walked away? Oh, four. Wow. Okay. Um, again, I'm always going to take me out the game. Mm-hmm. If we, if, if we, you can win, take me out the game. Right. I don't care if I'm a star or not. Mm-hmm. Take you just me out. Win. You just, just want to win. I, I want to win. Yeah. So I felt the best win for Def Jam at that time was for to give uh, make sure LA had all the resources and the consistency and the channel energy mm-hmm. that he needed to take it to the next level. Yeah. Um, and so Edgar calls me, Brofman, um, former owner of Universal, mm-hmm. everything, um, Parks theme movie, everything, <laughs> uh, called and said, um, you know, Lear's over here having fun. Um, I want you to come have fun with us. Now, if you know anything about moving people, you have no poach agreements and things mm-hmm. like this, you know, and non-competes. this meet non-competes yeah. and things. And so um, I really couldn't talk to Lear about anything uh-huh. other than how's my friend doing? <laughs> yeah. How's the kids? Right. How's the wife? You know, hope everything is because you people might be trying to set us up or uh-huh. any, anything. Yeah. So um, Edgar says, um, I need you. Um, and you know, if Lear could talk to you, he would tell you, I want you, mm-hmm. you know, but he couldn't talk yeah. to me. Um, <laughs> Crazy. And then uh, Edgar says, I'm going to create a position. Remember, I, remember general manager of promotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now they create this position. You're the executive vice president of the Warner Music Group. Okay. Me, same old Kevin. What does that, yeah. <laughs> what, what does that mean? Said, be the best you. Because mm-hmm. they knew by me being the best me, all kinds of shit had changed. Yeah, you know, yeah. the, the culture changed. I had no boundaries of what I can do, no conversation I couldn't have. And I was an artist guy. Mm-hmm. So um, I was of service for the Warner Music Group where um, I remember sitting in the board meeting and we explaining the business and one of the investors um, pulled me to the side. They said, listen, all we care about is the EBITDA and revenue growth, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So then I had to go figure out what the hell he was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so and then, again, that's where the, ma- the masters came in. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And so it made me study boards. It made me go sit on some other boards. It made me uh, define what an executive vice president of a music group would be. Yeah. Um, and so now you're back with Leo, right? Yeah. So yeah. now Leo, you know, I'm, I'm working uh, under him, but I'm executive vice president of the music group. You know, mm-hmm. he's the chairman of recorded music. Um, and then Edgar said, well, I want you to start coming to, you know, my, my meeting. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm in there with me, Leo, Michael, this one, hit a digital, all these people. And they, but they all had, uh, they all had um, P&Ls. Yeah. I didn't have it. I didn't. I just do. I did me. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever the be- Kevin. Go get this movie. This thing. Go. Whatever you want to do because you're going to produce revenue. Mm-hmm. And so um, I remember vividly. Um, I did that until '09, and it was contract reup time, mm-hmm. and the business was just changing so much, and I got away from what I felt the essence and the beauty of looking at a piece of art or, or playing golf. I forgot because I had to talk through 20 people yeah. 
to have an artist do the right thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not good at talking through 20 people. Right. Especially when I'm, I'm a former artist. Mm-hmm. I want to say what I want to say to them and let them know how I feel and touch them. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, walk with them and go through the process with them. So it's learning moments right. in that. Um, and it was some things that I wanted to do that um, some artists that I wanted to sign mm-hmm. and people started to tell me like, um, I don't think you know we should um, sign Chris Brown. <laughs> no, I don't know what. I, okay, you know what? Right. Is that okay. what your Excel spreadsheet I, told you that we shouldn't sign Chris Brown? <laughs> I'm, go, I'm gonna go and hug some trees again. <laughs> so I remember the moment I um, uh, Edgar asked me to. Uh, we want to be in the artist services business and to build out a division um, of artist services. So now, 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 okay, I want to give give you a P and L. Mm-hmm. Um. So then I had to put my engineer hat on again, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And I had to change the, the mentality of what I was doing. And I think we were doing like three or four million, um, hired some great people. Um, and um, the guy, I actually hired a guy who runs it now and it's a $200 million business for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was at that moment when I came back for one of my tree sessions uh, and I felt I needed um, to get close again. Yeah, so to I the told, art, close to the to art. art. Yeah. So I told um, Edgar and Leora, I, I just gotta do me. Mm-hmm. I just have to. And they said, "Well, listen, you just signed a contract." I said, "Yo, we don't, we don't, we're not dealing with no contracts." He said, "Listen, keep, keep the contract. Just don't compete with us." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wink. He just winked. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I've been doing music my whole life. I don't know what it meant. Right. You know. Don't compete. You mean open a cafe? What do you want me to do? (laughs) You know, plant some trees? I don't know. Uh, But then uh, I realized um, they wanted me to be of service to the culture Mm -hmm. in a way and wanted to be able to tap into, they wanted me to pick up the phone and be available if they needed me um, to do something. But no no strings attached, no anything. I could have did anything. Yeah. And it was at that moment that people couldn't believe Yo, you you in the ivory tower. You 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 can do what you want to do. Why would you leave all that money, all this power? Why yeah. would you leave? I saw a void in mentorship and leadership at a level that would help build stronger executives and stronger managers. And mm-hmm. th- and I felt it wasn't I wasn't there. Yeah. You know, um, so I had to get close. And what you what the business was saying, you got to be next to the artist. Mm-hmm. So I'm out doing me, yeah. you know, not thinking about management, not thinking about anything, just taking some time. Again, I've been doing it since I was 16. Yeah. I don't even know how old I was in 2004. Because <laughs> um, I was president at age 30. So I must've been maybe 40 okay. or something. I get a call and it's from Trey Songs. He says, oh, gee, I'm firing my manager. I said, what'd you call me for? Well, I'm just cool. <laughs> okay, cool. He said, no, nah, but you know, you know, my manager was one of your first former interns. Okay. I said, oh, yeah, right, right, mm-hmm. right. He said, um, um, but are, would you manage people? 
I said, man, I'm a CEO. I don't know what, I'm not waking nobody up to, to <laughs> right. no, I'm not doing this. Uh, and I said, well, here's what I'll do. Again, tact, tactical cap. Um, I want you to go see every manager. Uh-huh. Tell me what you want, tell them what you want, and then come back and articulate the meetings. He comes back and say, they all want commission. <laughs> you want to help me be a better man? I said, Jesus Christ. <laughs> then his mom calls me. Wow. Trey's mom, April and says, my son looks at you more like a father. Mm -hmm. He looks at you more, and again, I was at the Warner Music Group. I wasn't at, at particular Atlantic Records or Warner Brothers Records right. or Chapel, I was at the group. But when they named the street after me in Baltimore, Trey was living in Baltimore. He came to the street. Mm. So I want you to, to think, let's yeah. put the picture in your mind. There's a, I'm getting a street named after me. Mm -hmm. The kid that signed to Atlantic Records comes and two, three out years, I don't know that the time is a blur, is sitting in me telling me how much of an inspiration I am yeah. to him. So his mom said, listen, if, 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 if anything, do it for me because he needs somebody in his life to, what am I saying? That's, yeah. God, that, that's God talking to me right. in a different way. And he was the first client that, uh, I had and I built so like 15 clients and then I started having have office space and thing because my office was funny enough. I know I'm talking a lot, Lee, but I haven't done this in a long time. My office was the Mandan Oriental Hotel lobby area. <laughs> in Manhattan. Had, in Manhattan, right. Columbus Circle. Columbus Circle, yeah. There was a table, it was a Kevin Lyles table. <laughs> Set eight people around. You had a WeWork in the Mandarin. Oh, no, in the Mandarin, I would go there every day. All my meetings and everything was there. To the point where I thought it was cheaper to do that uh -huh. than Rent have it. office space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did that for like two years. And I remember, and the point I want to make about that place, um, and when I, I'm going to clarify, when I say hug trees or go walk around, they, I mean, I take a moment for myself. Yeah. Uh, and if you go sit on there, you'll see uh, the CNN sign there and the time. And so I didn't realize that I'm looking at this every day mm -hmm. for two years until one day I asked myself, God, what are you saying to me? Why mm -hmm. here? Why these surroundings? What, right. what are you saying to me? And I looked at CNN. I said, dumbass Kevin, create a new network. <laughs> I'm, it's an epiphany that I had. Yeah. So I realized it wasn't management that God was telling me to do. He mm -hmm. was telling me to create this new network of entrepreneurs that allows you to be the CEO, their COO and their CEO. Yeah. So put the business on top of its own head. Put a CEO next to a creative talent mm -hmm. and build networks. And that is? And that is KWL. Mm-hmm. Throughout our conversation, Kevin stresses being of service. This mantra helped drive him through his journey from intern to CEO. It helped him to reinforce relationships after Def Jam. It helped him to uncover a void in mentorship at the executive level and eventually sparked the epiphany of artists and creative networks that would lead to KWL. It didn't matter if it was to the boardroom, to the artist, or to the culture. Being of service has always been a part of Kevin's foundation. 
It's who he is and helps define his approach to the work that he does. Whatever business you have, ask yourself the question, why am I doing this? Be honest about it. Having a reason to create something helps give purpose to your work. And when there's purpose, you'll find that all the dots just connect together. Then I get a call from Lear. I should have left when you left. <laughs> so Lear, what do you mean? You, you have a head start out there now. You, you know, you're, you're, you're touching the artist, you're touching the baggie, you're, you're there in it. I said, Lear, I left for my own, I should have left. But I tell you what we're going to do. The business is fucked up. And the, everybody losing money. We're going to start another business. You and me. You yeah, and, yeah. and uh, it was it was three three of us, you know, four of us, and um, I said, listen, you know, I don't know how to work for anybody. I don't, I don't know that. I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He said, have I ever treated you like you work for me? I said, no. He said, you're my partner. You're gonna be my partner. You're mm-hmm. gonna be my partner, y'all. We're gonna be partners, and and you know when I want to dribble left. You know when I need the ball, when I don't need the ball. You know when I need rest because I'm driving and somebody else, we're on a 20-hour trip. You got to drive. He said, we know each other. I know what you, who you are, what you are, what you don't. You can't play golf yet. You know, <laughs> you, you want to work all the time, but I know we know everything about each other. And um, we started co-founding the business, which is 300 mm-hmm. Entertainment. And it was just a, a, if you think about it, we were crazy. It's crazy to go do what we did. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and five years ago, right? You know? And then, so you you formed. He calls you up. You formed mm-hmm. this company, three hundred. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm fast forwarding a lot mm-hmm. just for time's sake. But mm-hmm. then there's a point where he's like, "All right, I got to go now," right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, tell a story of how like um, Google mm-hmm. Venture is our biggest investor. Okay. Um. They had a need. Um, they wanted to be heavy in the streaming audio streaming space. Yeah. Um, they needed leadership in a way that would help um, change a culture. You know, you got a lot of engineers. Yeah, right. Coders. Um, and yeah, stuff. yeah. Who's talking to the artists? Mm-hmm. It's everything ain't an algorithm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Who? Who? You, they. They need the music community needs something. They're at war with them because of the payments and things like this. So, um, and Lyra was constantly trying to get, show to, hey, take over people, I'm having fun again. And we're, we're guys, we, we in this, and, oh shit, Fetty Wap, oh, but go Young Thug, oh, yeah. Nico, oh, it's all, we're on fire in five years. Yep. And um, he said, I have to tell you something. Our biggest investor is asking that I come and do this. And so, analytical Kev, how much money did we make for YouTube last year? X amount of dollars. So now my man is gonna be running mm-hmm. <laughs> YouTube music. Yeah. The biggest investor, it adds to our toolbox. Because mm-hmm. now, again, when you, when you have partners, yeah. hey, we gonna build a house. Yeah, to Google Ventures, you're a tool in their toolbox, yes. And their tool in my toolbox. Mm-hmm. It goes, goes, yeah, both, goes ways. both ways. Yeah. So um, now, and you know, I'm sitting on the board, you know, and I go, I, I, I we're doing it. Yeah. You know, and he, he'll, he'll tell a story. Any of you say, I pushed him to 
Um, because we want to constantly evolve and reinvent ourselves also. Yeah. Um, so now we add to our toolbox that we ushered in the new relationship with YouTube, that we ushered in. And when I say we, because anything that Russell, Leora, or I do is we. Mm -hmm. We might not be working in it together. Yeah. Russell's in Bali right now, building <laughs> something out. My, but it's we. Right. We always talking about how we see things. And you add Julie mm -hmm. Greenwall into the we. And yeah. you add Mike Kaiser in, into the, the we. We're always talking about the we. So I felt it was the right thing for us. Did analytical Kev immediately process that? Or was immediately. there a, Really? Immediately. There wasn't a moment of like, you motherfucker. <laughs> you just immediately were like, this is a win for, this, this is a win for we. So win for we. Yeah. And I was also solving for a problem that as we had so much success, we needed to have one, the buck had to stop with one person. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't stopping with one person. Yeah. You know, I might've thought differently from this and this, and you know, so it was a lot of, like I say, I wanted to uh, streamline. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wanted to teach again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I thought it was the right thing. And um, to this day, um, in 2016, when he left, uh, in 2017, we grew 72%. So the, the business growing 72%, him adding a new tool to our toolbox. Absolutely. Was it the right choice? Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, but then, Analytical Kev had to become non-big management company Kev because we go from seven artists to now a hundred artists mm -hmm. and it's only me. Yeah. So now I have to dissolve my management company to just my friends that I can run their businesses still. So down to three clients, uh -huh. London on the track, Trey Songs, and D'Angelo. Everybody else, mm -hmm. I, I just couldn't right. do. And I had, I had every, it, 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 my friends would call me, hey. So I did that and we grew 72%. I set up uh, an executive leadership team. Um, and my line uh, from that day forth was, I don't want to run the company. Mm -hmm. I want the company to run, mm -hmm. whether I'm here or not. Yeah. Lior knew he could make the move and things would be all right because Remember, he left Island Def Jam before. Yep. Yeah. We've done it. It's, it's, yeah. oh, it, it's, it's, it's a repeat. <laughs> and, and he knew that there's three seconds left. Kevin, Kevin, get the rock. Right. And so the board said, you know, you have to be CEO. And, but I said, but I, I came here to be a partner. I didn't come to be CEO. But serving the greater good of our investors mm -hmm. and of our artists. And you can think about that time. We didn't lose one artist. We didn't lose one employee. Mm -hmm. But things shook up. Yeah. So first year was about stability. Mm -hmm. Second year was about growth. Yeah. And third year now is about 302.0 and what that looks like. Okay. So you wear these two hats of like knowing what an artist wants, but also knowing what a manager or an executive needs, right? Mm -hmm. If you're talking to a young artist who's trying to get on your radar, what's the best advice you could give? And I was gonna ask you the same thing for the, the manager side, but maybe mm -hmm. this answer is the same for both. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Show me the value proposition. Okay. Of that, yourself as an artist, right? No. Oh, even if it's a, both, both. Yeah, you got, there has to be a value proposition where yeah. one plus one equals three. Okay. 
And in some cases, one plus one equals 10. Yeah. There has to be a value proposition. Mm -hmm. And by hook or crook, get to that. Get to mm -hmm. that point. Get to that value proposition. I don't care how, Twitter, Instagram, stop the street. I don't care how, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. Get to that value proposition. Again, I do everything for the greater good and greater God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you talk about the greater good, it's exponential. My mission, um, I, I, ain't did what, I ain't did what God got me here to do yet. Mm. I'm still in process, I'm, yeah. still, I'm still evolving. I'm still putting the tools in a toolbox. I've been asked to run for mayor. I've been asked to um, take over other corporations. I've been asked to start new businesses. I've been asked to do a lot of different things. I've been asked to open a church, start a church. I don't know what God's saying to me, but when the time comes, mm -hmm. I will be prepared. Yeah. Not a question in my mind. I think you got to go hug a tree right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this is therapy, you know, to be yeah, honest yeah. with you. Um, and um, it's why, it's, uh, and think about what you and I are doing. And we've seen each other before, you mm -hmm. know, Matt, you know, but our first interaction is you being my therapist. Yeah. I'm being okay. honestly, so I, I walk and talk. My, so I just found some things out and remembered some things yeah. through the conversation Word. and remembered why I question myself every day. Word. All right. Well, thanks for your time, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening to this super deep episode with the triple OG of the music industry, Kevin Lyles. As always, you can find out more about the show and listen to other episodes at hypebeast.com slash radio. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. I personally use Anchor FM. Also, give us a five-star rating and leave a comment to tell us what you think of the show. It definitely helps out a lot. You can also reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Staple. And we occasionally answer listener questions on the show. So if you have a question, you can email it in to questions at businessofhype.com. The Business of Hype is created in collaboration with Bright Young Things, you can check them out at byt.nyc. Our director is Daniel Novetta. Our audio engineer is David Rogers Berry. And our intern is Sydney Puckampora. I'm Jeff Staple, and you've been listening to The Business of Hype on Hype Radio. I almost started crying there. <laughs> Took you down memory lane, right? Yo, this shit is just.